Welcome to the Absolution Network Show right here on 19 AM, Superstation, the Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Mike from the hotel. It is Sunday, May 19th, 2019. It is uh, Malcolm X's 95th birthday, uh, and we're live. Hope everybody's doing well tonight. Well, we have a jam-packed uh, show tonight. There's a lot going on. Uh, and then a lot of people saw the uh, Facebook Live broadcast that I did uh, earlier today dealing with uh, uh, a black billionaire, Robert F. Smith, who uh, was the commencement speaker for Morehouse College today, which is an HBCU, all-male HBCU. And uh, he pledged to pay off the uh, college debt, student loan debt, of the, of the graduating class, 2019 graduating class, approximately 400 people. So we'll talk some about that. That's a great, great story. Uh, a lot of people saw the broadcast I did dealing with that. And then uh, also, uh, New York Times has a breaking news story today dealing with uh, Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, okay, dealing with their finances. Once again, uh, you have Donald Trump who uh, does not want to release his taxes, and then also he has his attorneys blocking the um, release of his financial information from Deutsche Bank and from uh, Capital One as well. Uh, you have the House Ways and Means Committee. You have the uh, House Finance Committee uh, following a trail and doing due diligence, doing oversight, requesting these documents, and he is uh, hired attorneys to uh, sue Deutsche Bank and Capital One to keep them from releasing these documents. What is Donald Trump trying to hide? Well, we see that the uh, New York Times... Uh, has a breaking news story today. Deutsche Bank staff saw suspicious activity in Donald Trump's and Jared Kushner's account. Deutsche Bank staff saw suspicious activity in Donald Trump's and Jared Kushner's accounts. So we know that um, Deutsche Bank is the largest creditor to uh, Donald Trump, and I think also Jared Kushner. We found out uh, about a year or so ago that, Deut that Jared Kushner owes Deutsche Bank $285 million. We know that Donald Trump owes Deutsche Bank about $300 million or so. We also know that Deutsche Bank was um, sued by the Department of Justice, by the U.S. government, and they uh, ended up having to pay $600 million in fines because they were caught laundering $10 billion in money from Russia. This is Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank was the only bank that would lend Donald Trump any money. When, uh, when American banks will not lend him any money. So people are asking the question, well, what's going on here? So we'll talk about that. Then many of us saw earlier in the week the uh, story uh, out of Texas dealing with Pamela Turner. Uh, Pamela Turner, African-American uh, female, uh, 44 years old, if I remember correctly, and she was shot uh, five times by a white police officer. And she yelled out that she was pregnant before uh, he shot and killed her. Um, you have attorney uh, Benjamin Crump on the case. Many people asking why didn't the police officer wait for backup. Um, attorney Benjamin Crump uh, has uh, done uh, some interviews. He was interviewed by uh, Reverend Al Sharpton uh, yesterday. So we'll share that interview with you. That was on uh, Politics Nation. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, why didn't the police de-escalate the situation? We know that uh, allegedly uh, she grabbed his taser and tased him with it. Um, but, we, you know, we have to 
wait for all the facts to come out. But still, he could have called for backup. If this was somebody white, they would have tried to preserve the life, okay? And and uh, Attorney Benjamin Crump said that the Baytown police, this was in Baytown, Texas, the Baytown police are lying about Pamela Turner. Um, so we'll, and police originally blamed the unarmed grandmother's outstanding warrants for the fatal encounter. So now their story is changing. Okay, we'll talk about that also. And then, um, so we have a number of stories to talk about tonight. So yesterday, I was, uh, I sent you the topics also. Yesterday, uh, I was at the Black Agenda Tour 2019. Uh, they kicked off in Detroit's the Seven City Tour, Michi X, Jice Johnson, Grammy Award winning hip-hop artist uh, David Banner and actor David Banner. Uh, two-time Super Bowl winner, Derek Martin. Uh, so they were all on the panel. I was on the panel as well. We had uh, Jace Johnson on, on my show last Sunday talking about the tour. I wasn't certain if I would be on the panel a lot, uh, or not, but, you know, we got uh, everything uh, secured, so I was on the panel. Um, and I, I did an exclusive interview with uh, David Banner uh, yesterday. So we're going to share that interview with you. Uh, David Banner talks about the... Uh, talks about the Black Agenda Tour. Uh, we talked about some other things as well. We talked about being a conscious hip-hop artist. I already knew David Banner before this. We, we were in uh, two documentaries, uh, the Black Friday documentaries from uh, director Rick Mathis and also Elementary Genocide Part 3 from uh, director Raheem Shabazz. So I already knew David Banner before this, but this is the first time I got a chance to uh, interview him. So we'll share that with you on tonight's show also. Okay, so um, early in the week, a lot of people talked about this story, and I, I did a Facebook Live broadcast. I've been doing a lot of Facebook Live broadcasts on our YouTube channel also, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Um, a Houston, Texas high school had a uh, what they call Spirit Week, and during Spirit Week, each uh, day is a different thing, okay? So for Jersey Day where you can wear a jersey of, like, your favorite team or something like that, the students. Um, you had about 30 white students who celebrated Thug Day. And they wore cornrows, fake tattoos, uh, baggy pants, um, gold chains. And these were caricatures and stereotypes of African Americans. It's called Thug Day. So there was a lot of outrage about this on social media. I did a broadcast early in the week and talked about this, and I connected this. Um, I connected these caricatures and uh, distorted images of African Americans that we see to the images that we see of us in the media, okay? And I cited a number of studies uh, dealing with this, and there was one study from uh, Rutgers University that dealt with how um, – the negative stereotypical images of African-Americans that are portrayed in the media could very well influence how uh, police interact with African-Americans, how police treat African-Americans, okay? And you've heard me talk about uh, these topics in the past. We know that uh, there was a study that came out in 2015, thinkprogress.org has an article uh, about it called How News Outlets help convince you that most criminals are black, how news outlets help convince you that most criminals are black. And this was a 
uh, nationwide uh, study of local news outlets and how they disproportionately uh, depict African-Americans as the perpetrators in stories that they cover, okay? So there is a lot of uh, science to back this up. There are a lot of studies to back this up, okay? And when we see uh, negative images, and you know I'm, I'm, I have never been a fan of the TV show Empire, and that's one of the most degrading uh, shows on television. That's about as bad as the movie The Birth of a Nation. Uh, because when the movie The Birth of a Nation uh, debuted February 8, 1915, and showed all the negative stereotypical images of African Americans, we had enough sense to boycott the movie. NAACP led boycotts against the movie. Uh, William Monroe Trotter uh, led boycotts against the movie also when it came to Boston. Today, the same NAACP gives image awards to the TV show Empire when they were organizing boycotts against the movie The Birth of a Nation, okay, a little more than 100 years ago. And the movie The Birth of a Nation called, caused race riots in the streets and all the negative degenerative uh, images of African Americans um, that, that basically existed at that time were depicted in the movie, okay? But we had enough sense to protest against this and fight against these negative images because we knew they were detrimental to our existence. We knew that rampant lynchings were taking place uh, across this country, and we knew that that, that movie was causing race riots. Uh, if you go back to 1906, when the uh, play called The Klansman was uh, playing in Philadelphia, you had 3,000 African Americans who protested against the play The Klansman. The play The Klansman is based upon a novel by a man named Thomas Dixon called The Klansman. And the movie The Birth of a Nation is based upon the novel The Klansman by Thomas Dixon. The, hero of the, the heroes of the movie are the Ku Klux Klan. The movie the Birth, of a, the Birth of a Nation rejuvenated the Ku Klux Klan, which had largely died out by uh, 1915, founded December 24, 1865 in Pulaski, Tennessee. So we had a better understanding in many ways when we were under attack. Today, we become oftentimes complicit in that attack. Okay, so um, we'll talk some about Hub Day that took place in Houston, Texas. And then last week, you know, uh, I talked about, um, last week I talked about the um, State of Black America Report 2019 that details how Russia worked to suppress the African-American vote. This is something that's talked about also in the Mueller report as well, okay, from Robert Mueller. This is something talked about in the Mueller report. All right, so I, I, we were running out of time last week. We had a lot of callers, and um, I, I didn't get a chance to deal with that topic like I wanted to. I did a Facebook Live broadcast early in the week dealing with that, so check that out. We'll talk, we'll talk some more about it tonight, though. Uh, but uh, visit uh, our Facebook, visit our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P, on YouTube, and you can watch that, um, that full broadcast that I did. But the, st the State of Black America report 2019 details how Russia worked to suppress the African-American vote in 2016. And Russians are, uh, we just saw this past week that Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida revealed for the first time that Russians had hacked into two uh, hacked into the voter databases in two Florida counties, and he said 
They, however, did not change any information, did not change any votes. How do we know? Okay. Uh, and you're going to hear more about this. And as those in the intelligence community have, have testified in front of Congress, the, the uh, FBI Director uh, Christopher Wray, uh, the Russians did not leave. They are still here. And they said that they, they will interfere with the 2020 election also. Why is Donald Trump not taking actions to secure the elections? Why are Republicans in the Senate not taking actions to secure the 2020 elections? I wonder why. We're coming up on a break. Uh, you listen to 9, 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. This is the African History Network show. Uh, Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Are you getting the Welcome to the Fast Life 28-Day Challenge. Imagine what your health could look like after 28 days of a structured fasting regimen, healthy habits, and three coaches holding you accountable on a daily basis. Here's your chance to move from imagination to realization. The Fast Life 28-Day Challenge is here to help you. Visit their website, tfl28.com. Now, this is an online coaching program to help members tap into their body's natural ability to repair itself via fasting. In this 28-Day Challenge, they focus on utilizing fasting, whole foods, and movement to improve metabolic conditions such as obesity, high blood pressure, pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, and more. This is a 28-day program. There is also a private Facebook group to give you tips and encouragement. Also, they have a new cohort starting up very soon. So visit their website, tfl28.com, for more information for the Fast Life 28-Day Challenge. Hey, down here. It's us, your feet. We want to tell you something you already know. It's time to buy yourself some new shoes. Have you heard of the Knickknackery Co? It's the hottest new place to buy women's shoes online, and they have some unique soles for your sole. The Knickknackery Co's signature soles are handcrafted in small custom batches by professional artisans. A careful eye to detail delivers styles that are both timeless and on trend. And they're constructed to last. The best part? They're as comfortable for us as they are stylish for you. For sophisticated women who love quality and uniqueness, you can't beat the Knickknackery Co. Visit us online at www.shopknickknacks.com. Follow us on all social media. There are no shoes we'd rather kick it with because they are very sophisticated for the soul. Two thousand nineteen is here and there's no better time to start working on your financial goals. My name is Martisha Patterson and I am a certified financial planner with over nineteen years in the wealth management industry. I am helping people just like you focus on and achieve their goals. If you need help with budgeting, saving for emergencies or retirement, if you want to start investing but don't know where to start, I am here to help. No need to feel alone or frustrated. No one's situation is the same, which is why you need a certified financial planner to develop a unique plan tailored to your specific needs. Contact me today. My phone number is 646-552-4384. Again, 646-552-4384. Or email me at pattersonplan17 at gmail.com. My website is pattersonplan17.com. No more excuses. Now is the time. 
My name is Martisha Patterson, and I am here to help. Dark Magenta specializes in creating home spa products based on nature's healing and soothing properties. Dark Magenta carries essential oil and cannabidiol infused bath bombs, shower steamers, sugar scrubs, and soaps. They include oils and herbs such as lavender, rosemary, eucalyptus, sage, cedarwood, oatmeal, shea butter, cannabidiol, and more. They also carry oil diffusers and 100% pure essential oils. Visit their website today at darkmagentas.com. That's M-A-G-E-N-T-A-S, darkmagentas.com, and indulge in these treats for the body and the mind. Are you interested in how Wall Street works? It is interesting how certain opportunities are not presented to our community, especially when it involves billions of dollars that are being exchanged every day through the stock market. Why should you be left out and not get a piece of the action? TheProfitRoom.com is a stock market trading and equation company that has mentorship programs that are designed for beginners. They teach individuals how to create generational wealth through trading and investing in the financial markets. They focus on education such as stock market, options, futures, and the foreign exchange markets. Their specialty is day trading and offering one-on-one -on -one mentorship. Their priority deals with capital preservation and risk management. Visit their website, theprofitroom.com forward slash wealth building theprofitroom.com forward slash wealth building for more information and sign up for their online classes that they offer also. History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation of Future Radio. Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, May 19, 2019, Malcolm X's 95th birthday. You see me wearing my Malcolm X, my Malcolm X shirt also. All right, so we'll talk about Malcolm X um, as well in uh, the last segment of the show, okay? All right, now, on the uh, African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now this corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other, pe and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do and teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with, deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, all my DVD lectures are there. Uh, online courses, digital downloads. You can donate to the African History Network there as well. And um, I'll be, I will be in, just confirm that today, I will be in uh, Atlanta, uh, June 14th through the 16th, that's a Friday through Sunday, for the uh, huge Juneteenth celebration they have there in Atlanta. Uh, so I'll be speaking there again this year. I spoke there last year and was a vendor. I'll be doing the same thing this year, so you'll hear more about that, okay? All right, and then also uh, African Liberation Day is coming up at the Charles H. Wright Museum Friday, May 24th, uh, and Saturday, May 25th. Uh, so visit theright.org, theright.org for more information. This year's theme is 400 years they still owe, dealing with reparations. 
the special guest uh, speaker this year will be Jamon Jordan, historian Jamon Jordan. I've had him here on my show before as well. There will be a youth program Friday morning, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. There will be a community program uh, Friday morning, also 10 a.m. to 11 uh, Let me see, the, the community program is um, it'll be usually Friday evening they have the community program. And then Saturday, it looks like things kick off at 10 a.m. Usually goes 10 a.m. to about 4 p.m., something like that, okay? I think that home, they will have more details at uh, theright.org, W-R-I-G-H-T, theright.org. Right on the homepage, they have a calendar. I will be there uh, definitely Saturday. Not sure about Friday. I'll try to get to Friday. I'll be there definitely Saturday, and I'll be a vendor as well. There will be an African marketplace both days. Be sure to come visit the vendor table of the African History Network. My DVD lectures will be there. You can come meet me, talk to me also, okay? And this is a free event as well. Both days are free also as well, okay? All right, so let's jump into um, this um, first story. I'm going to talk some about Robert F. Williams. I mean, not Robert F. Williams, Robert F. Smith. I'm thinking of Robert F. Williams and the Black Guard. Black billionaire Robert F. Smith. I'm going to talk um, a little bit about him and uh, what he did uh, for, for Morehouse uh, College today, okay, uh, HBCU. Okay, so a lot of people are not familiar with Robert F. Smith, all right? He's not a household name, probably will be after this. I've known about him for a few years. I first found out about him in Black Enterprise magazine. Uh, Robert F. Smith is a black billionaire. He's not a fake billionaire like, like Donald Trump. He's a real billionaire, okay? He's listed uh, on the Forbes list of billionaires at 288. And he is the um, president and CEO of Vista Equity, which is a private equity firm uh, that he launched. And um, in 2018, he sold um, a cloud, a cloud uh, service company uh, for $4.7 billion to Adobe. So he made $3 billion off of that sale right there. He was a billionaire before that. Okay. He sold it for $4.7 billion. He was a billionaire before that sale. All right. So uh, what I noticed, and I talked about this in the broadcast I did earlier today, <clears throat> Excuse me. what I noticed is when the story first broke, I saw articles from uh, WSB-TV Channel 2 in uh, Atlanta. I saw an article from Atlanta Journal-Constitution because a lot of the early articles cited the article from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And something that I noticed is in a lot of the white publications, at least early on, in the headlines of the story, they did not mention his name and did not mention that he was black. In the article from Shop Black, uh, let's see, shopblack.us, which is an African-American-owned and operated uh news website that promotes economic empowerment, entrepreneurship for African-Americans. This is one of the first articles I saw also. The name of their article was Billionaire Robert Smith to Pay Off Morehouse Class of 2019's Student Loans. Okay, If we look at, and I'm looking at the articles right now, they haven't updated them. Uh, now they haven't updated the title. They've updated the content of the article, but not the title. We look at WSB-TV Channel 2 in Atlanta, which is a white on TV station, the name of their article is Morehouse Commencement Speaker to Pay Off Class of 2019's Student Loans, okay? And then if we look at Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which is a white uh, news publication in Atlanta, 
the name of their article is Morehouse Commencement Speaker to Pay Off Class of 2019 Student Loans. So what I noticed early on when I was reading, I looked at a number of different headlines uh, covering the story. And I, I did my, you know, a lot of people just now find out about this. So, you know, I, I broadcasted on this a few hours ago. A lot of white publications did not mention his name in the title and did not mention that he was black. Now, maybe in the first lines of the article they mentioned that, but not in the title. Okay? So if we look at the griot.com, uh, African-American-owned uh, online publication news outlet for African-Americans owned by Byron Allen, name of their article, Billionaire Robert F. Smith, Promises to pay off student loans for Morehouse Colleges, class of 2019. I just find that very interesting. So, um, now Washington Post, I have to give them credit. Washington Post uh, got it right. Okay? The name of their article, Billionaire Robert F. Smith Pledges to Pay Off Morehouse College, class of 2019's student loans. All right? So, if we look at the article here from thegrill.com, uh, in the article, it says it was one of the best graduation gifts you could ever imagine getting and an investment in the future of black America. On Sunday, uh, May 19th, Malcolm X's birthday. I don't know if they mentioned it's Malcolm X's birthday uh, during the commencement address, but it is. On Sunday, Morehouse College commencement speaker, billionaire investor Robert F. Smith pledged to pay off student loans for the entire class of 2019, approximately 400 uh, people in the class of 2019 graduating. Okay. Robert F. Smith said, quote, my family is going to create a grant to eliminate your student loans. You great Morehouse men are bound only by the limits of your own conviction and creativity. Okay. He told the crowd of, of parents and supporters in Atlanta. The announcement drew a standing ovation and chance of MVP, MVP. Okay. From the audience. Now, uh, Robert L. Smith went on to say, quote, when Dr. King said that the arc of the moral, moral universe bends toward justice, he wasn't saying it bends on its own accord. It bends because we choose to put our shoulders into it together and push. He said, you great Morehouse men are bound only by the limits of your own conviction and creativity. Now, Robert L. Smith has been committed to promoting technological and scientific advancement in the African-American community for years. Uh, today on Politics Nation, Reverend Al Sharpton talked about this as well at the end of his show. He's talked about how Robert S. Smith has donated to the technological um, initiatives that the National Action Network has, has launched, and he's been a supporter of the National Action Network. He's been a supporter of the NAACP, a financial supporter. So even though... Um, He's not a household name. If you read Black Enterprise, you know about Robert F. Smith. If you follow me on Facebook, you've seen articles I posted about him in the past. Now, what I find interesting, I talked about this in my broadcast today, so make sure you go and watch it on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P on YouTube. What I find interesting is that a lot of times, you know, when I would post articles about uh, Robert F. Smith, I'd get one or two snide remarks saying, oh, what is he doing for the community? Why don't you Google his name? Or they may say, oh, he's married to a white woman. Well, look at what, he, look at what he's doing. You know, now I'm all for African-American men marrying African-American women. I'm all for that. 
I'm all for black love and, you know, I'm all for that, right? But I'm more concerned about finding out how he made billions of dollars. I know how to find a system. I want to know how he made billions of dollars, okay? That's what I'm concerned about, not who he married. But some of us get caught up in, some of us get caught up in this these um, surface frivolous issues, all right? And, you know, I'm all for, you know, somebody, him marrying somebody African-American and, and and when he dies, they inherit the money. I'm all for that, right? But he didn't, so now what? But look at what he's doing with his money, okay? All right, and then, you know, a lot of people talk about Oprah. He's richer than Oprah. This is not a slight on Oprah. You know, in general, most of the time, I like Oprah. Now, you know, I don't think she should have interviewed the directors of uh, Leaving Neverland documentary about Michael Jackson. Something was wrong there. If you're going to do that, you should at least interview Michael Jackson's family so they can put out their side of the story, okay? But, you know, in general, overall, I like Oprah. Most of the people that criticize her don't own nearly as much as she owns. I, I just find that interesting also, okay? Okay, so um, so thegrill.com had this article, and you can give us a call, 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600. Is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Um, so thegrill.com ha has an article about this. All, all the news outlets are going crazy with this story, all right? Um, and, and then, okay, so, so Robert F. Smith has been uh, committed to promoting technological and scientific advancement in the African-American community for years and also donated $1.5 million to Morehouse College earlier this year. A lot of people didn't hear about that, okay? I posted about that as well. If you read blackenterprise.com, you know about this, okay? If you read maybe ebony, news1.com, atlantablackstar.com, the griot, you know about this. Now, Robert F. Smith talked about the need for African Americans to be part of the tech or technological innovation in his commencement speech. He said, there are those who dismiss our brothers and sisters as not having the training or the skills to take part in this fourth industrial revolution, the 21st century tech-based economy, um, this is not true, and this belief is not acceptable. Okay, so Robert F. Smith's $20 million gift to the National Museum of African American History and Culture, $20 million. See, he's quiet. He's not a household name. He's not in music videos. He's, he, he's not all over the place. You'll see him at business forums or things like this. You read business publications, okay? He's he's quiet. He's quiet with what he does. Uh, I remember, I know um, uh, Michael Roberts. Michael Roberts goes to Roberts River Walk Hotel and knows uh, tons of businesses. Last time, uh, we, we've been on different panel discussions together with George Frazier. We're in the, uh, uh, all three of us are in the uh, Black Friday documentaries, and, uh, and David Banner's in the Black Friday documentaries as well, which deals with economic empowerment from uh, director Rick Mathis. And uh, Michael Roberts talks about, he's a multimillionaire, and he talks about how a lot of people don't know his name, and he says rich people yell and wealthy people whisper. He said this is why you don't know who he is. He can just walk anywhere. You know, people don't know who he is. Okay, so Robert F. Smith donated $20 million to the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And that donation was the second largest single donation to the museum from a private donor. 
the philanthropist and former engineer, because he, 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 was, he was an engineer as well, which means he went to college. And what he did was he created a business around his uh, core competency, his expertise, what he went to school for. He created a business around that. Okay, so the philanthropist and former engineer built his own investment business that focuses on technology and software called Vista Equity Partners, Vista Equity Partners. Robert S. Smith is a graduate of Cornell University and Columbia Business School. He didn't go to Morehouse, people, but he's investing in HBCUs. He did not go to Morehouse. He did not go to an HBCU, okay? But he sees the need to invest in them. He's also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, okay? We can't all be signals, so I don't hold that against him, all right? Now, in 2018, Robert S. Smith was number 480 on Forbes' global list of billionaires. His net worth is estimated to be $5 billion, according to Black Enterprise magazine. Now, I'm not sure if that's $5 billion before or after he sold um, Marketo uh, last year for $4.7, and he got like $3 billion out of the sale. Okay? So so that's from thegrill.com. Uh, when I looked at the article from... Okay, so now, if we look at the article from Black Enterprise last year, blackenterprise.com from September 24, 2018, black billionaire Robert F. Smith just made another $3 billion with sale to Adobe, okay? In that article, um, he was listed at, on the Forbes uh, list of 400 richest people. He was listed at number 226. He had a net worth of $3.3 billion. That was before he sold um, the cloud service, uh, which was called Marketo, before he sold that to Adobe for $4.7 billion, all right? So this is a bad brother. I'm serious. And this is an example of how you can go to college and build a business around what your area of expertise is. Now, just to give you some background information. So Vista Equity, the private equity firm launched by black billionaire and engineer Robert F. Smith, uh, announced, announced its sale, announced it is selling a cloud service company uh, it purchased in 2016 called Marketo to Adobe for $4.7 billion. This is from September 2018, this article. In May of 2016, listen to, listen to this. In May of 2016, Vista Equity, his, his company, purchased Marketo for $1.8 billion. And this was reported by Forbes, okay? Within three years, Marketo's revenue grew over $100 million under Robert F. Smith's leadership. He bought it for $1.8 billion in May of 2016 and around September of 2018 sold it for $4.7 to Adobe. I mean, come on, man. This Dude, see, this is somebody we really need to study, okay? This is somebody we really need to study, study his business acumen. All right, so check out this article from blackenterprise.com. Um, uh, WashingtonPost.com also had a, a good article, Billionaire Robert F. Smith Pledges to Pay Off Morehouse College class of 2019's uh, uh, student loans. Uh, and the billionaire investor and philanthropist Robert F. Smith was giving the commencement speech at Morehouse College in Atlanta on Sunday when he deviated from his prepared remarks to make an announcement, okay? My family is going to create a grant to eliminate your student loans. Everyone started crying and jumping for joy, said a spokesperson for Robert F. Smith, who asked not to be identified uh, the spokesperson asked not to be identified. It was him speaking from his heart. Okay, now they interviewed Atlanta Journal Constitution interviewed 
a couple of the parents as well. Um, and I think they cite them here in this article from the Washington Post also. But let's uh, flip over to the article from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution because uh, you had one person, uh, one student, he was $70,000 in debt, okay? Tonga Relaford, whose son Charles Relaford III is a member of the class of 2019, estimates that his student loans are about $70,000. His mother said, I feel like it's mother's, mother's Day all over again, okay? Now, the gift from Robert F. Smith is estimated to be worth about $40 million, $40 million. Uh, Tonga Relaford's husband, Charles Relaford Jr., is also a Morehouse graduate. He said, uh, he said their younger son, Colin, is a junior at Morehouse, okay? He doesn't know who the keynote speaker will be at Colin's graduation ceremony, but is hoping for a return performance by Robert F. Smith. Okay, I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people are. Robert S. Smith is the chairman and CEO of Vista Equity Partners, a software and technology investment firm. All right, so how many how many um, uh, invitations do you think he's going to get next uh, graduation season to speak at colleges? How many how many invitations you think he's going to get to speak at colleges next season, graduation season? Now, the next time Oprah it gives the commencement. Uh, speech at a graduation. Do you think this is going to put pressure on Oprah to do something? I'm just saying. I'm not trying to start something. I'm just saying. Right? <laughs> All right. Now, Elijah Dormius, who's a business administration major, said, quote, if I could do a back backflip, I would. I am deeply ecstatic, end quote. Now, a resident of Harlem, New York, um, Dormius, Elijah Dormius, 22 years old, was carrying $90,000 in student loan debt. What the hell did he major in? $90,000 in student loan debt. His five siblings all came to Atlanta to see him graduate along with his mother, uh, Andrea Dormius, uh, who drives a school bus. Of the debt, um, of the debt, Mother Dormius said, quote, I wasn't too worried because my faith in God is really strong, end quote. Now, Eileen Dodd, D-O-D-D, is a spokesperson for Morehouse College. She said the gift is the biggest single gift in the school's history, okay? In his commencement address, Robert F. Smith said being on the bus uh, on the bus towards success is not enough. He said you want to own it, you want to drive it, and you want to pick up as many people as you can along the way, all right, end quote. So he charged the class of 2019 with doing its part to improve the lives of black America, okay? Now, you think I'm going to beat him up because he's married to a white woman? He's doing more. I mean, he's doing more than a lot of uh, African-American millionaires who are married to sisters, okay, and got a girlfriend on the side, okay? He charged the class of 2019 with doing its part to improve the lives of black America. Quote, I'm putting some fuel into your bus, he said. I'm counting on you to load up that bus. Now, also, so he received an honorary degree. Angela Bassett, Wakanda Forever, was there as well. So you see her in some of the pictures also. And she received an honorary degree as well, okay, from Morehouse. Now, also, uh, okay, so uh, Oscar-nominated Angela Bassett, an activist, she received an honorary degree. She referenced Morehouse graduate, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and suggested that the class of 2019 might emulate him uh, but take their own path, okay? She said, I want to proudly walk in your own shoes. I want you to proudly walk in your own shoes 
and you know what it's like when you get a new pair of shoes. I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you to be mindful. I want you to be wary. Okay. So um, this is, I mean, this is historic that's taking place. And a lot of people are finding about Robert S. Smith. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that there are about 4 million available jobs right now in the science, in the tech, in the, in the STEM field, science, technology, engineering, and math. There are about 4 million available jobs in the STEM fields. And you can major in those different areas, get jobs in those different areas, and then build a business, build a business around that also. Okay, so there's there are a lot of opportunities there. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number, 313 778 7,600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. So we salute uh, Brother Robert F. Smith. I've known about him for years. A lot more people are finding out about him. That's a good thing. All right. Now, what's not a good thing is what happened to our sister Pamela Turner there in Baytown, Texas. Okay. And um, there were a number of different stories uh, about this uh, early in the week. And on uh, Politics Nation, on Saturday, May 18th, um, Benjamin, uh, Attorney Benjamin Crump, as well as the daughter of uh, Pamela Turner, were uh, interviewed by Reverend Al Sharpton. Okay, let's go to that clip. pregnant. Those were the last words Pamela Turner spoke seconds before she was shot and killed by a Houston area police officer who claims that she tried to disarm him during her arrest Monday. In the days since Turner's death, video of the incident has gone viral. Critics questioning whether deadly force was necessary to subdue a 44-year-old grandmother who, according to her family, was known to have suffered from mental illness. But police in the city of Baytown, Texas, have counted that Turner had multiple warrants at the time of her arrest, which turned deadly when she allegedly tried to take Officer Juan de la Cruz's taser, prompting him to fire multiple rounds. She was pronounced dead on the scene. The county medical examiner deeming it a homicide, with both police and her family confirming that she was not pregnant despite her final words. But unlike the police, the family and the rest of us in the civil rights community are wondering how the officer in question could have known that, or even if he cared. Earlier this week, I spoke with Antoinette Dorsey James, sister of Pamela Turner, and civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump, who is representing Turner's family. Let me go to you first, Attorney Crump. Uh, we are seeing the video, and she's saying she was pregnant. One doesn't know if she was saying that, hoping he wouldn't tase her anymore. No one knows what it was, but we do know the officer didn't know, and there seemed to have been multiple shots. How is this justifiable by law? It is not justifiable, Reverend Al. Uh, the police officials tried to say, well, he's justified because he was in fear of his life. Well, couldn't we give the same reasoning to this unarmed black woman who had a history of mental illness to say, well, did she feel in fear of her life by somebody who confronted her? 
assaulted her and battered her as she continued to say, I'm just trying to get home. She's saying, I'm pregnant. Her family has said they don't know if she's pregnant or not, but it seems that she was trying to say, don't harm me, don't tase me. So she's saying things to say, don't hurt me, yet he does it anyway with no respect to her or if she is really pregnant to the life inside her body. And that's what's so egregious. This is an attempt to criminalize her, Reverend as you and I have talked previously to justify an unjustifiable execution. And I will say this, uh, Reverend Al, when they first called my office, and I know you have gotten a lot of these calls from National Action Network as well, that they executed my sister, they executed my mother. You know, we take that for a grain of salt. But then Arthur Reed showed me the video and my heart stopped. It was an execution. It was one of the most horrible police shootings I've ever seen in my life. And I know you and I, we've seen a lot, Reverend Al. No, no doubt about it. it and many people that have seen this have become as outraged as you and I have on pursuing justice in this matter. Antoinette, first of all, again, uh, our, our uh, condolences to you and the family. I know it's difficult for you to have to do these interviews. Uh, but give us a sense of Antoinette. Uh, Antoinette, give us a sense of your, your sister, the type of person she was, a mother, a grandmother. Tell us the person she was, because I understand when they say she had warrants, that's an attempt to criminalize her. And you told me on my radio show she was not a criminal at all. That's correct, sir. Uh, Pam is a gentle, loving, good-hearted person. Uh, they believe there's good in everybody. She's uh, a beautiful person. She's an excellent, great mother. Even through her illness, she was still a great mother, uh, a great friend, a great sister, a cousin, a niece. She has family that loves her, and she loved to be loved because she gave a lot of love. Uh, go ahead, sir. No, turn, no, go ahead. Please finish. Uh, and uh, she's a, a, a loving grandmother that loves her grandchildren, uh, very excited to have had grandchildren and was looking forward to being a part of their lives. They tell them about her newest grandbaby was just three days old when this happened wow. and she never got to see her. Yes. Three days old. She had, yes, yes, sir. Um, actually, she has two grandchildren that she hasn't seen. One that's two months that was premature and, um, you know, had a little uh, medical issue, so she hadn't gotten a chance to see her yet. And then she had one that was born on Friday, um, exactly uh, three days before her execution. Uh, her daughter, Chelsea, you know, birthday was on Sunday, and it was also Mother's Day, so it took effect on her pretty hard. And uh, she didn't get a chance to see her granddaughter. Uh, attorney Crump, let me, let, let me ask you, Attorney Crump, so for viewers that may uh, not understand why there's outrage uh, around the country, people seeing this, is there any justification? If an officer is has already tased someone, I'm told that uh, it, in many ways, puts them in a position where they couldn't uh, actively try to grab a taser. But even if they were 
uh, uh, in, in effect doing what these narratives uh, that we're being told. Why the multiple shots? Why shooting over and over again? We hear the multiple shots on the video. Reverend Al, it is so offensive for them to try to tell us his actions were justified. When you look at the video, the video shows the confrontation, the assault and battery. It shows that he never gives her any verbal commands, which is a violation of policy. She never is a threat to him. She's only trying to get to her home, and she says that multiple times on the video. But then she, he tases her first. We have experts that are looking at this. When the prize go into her, even if she got the taser and she presses it, the prize are still connected to her. We question whether he was ever tased uh, or not, Reverend Al, because you see how quickly he reacted when he stepped back and then took the weapon and fired it not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times into an unarmed woman of color who he knows has a history of mental illness. And when you consider that this is Mental Health Awareness Month, you say, why is it when you are a person of color and you have mental illness, you're not getting the same care that others get. You need a helping hand, but you get bullets. And in Pamela Turner's case, it was five bullets. We don't even know if we can have an open casket, Reverend Al, when you come to deliver the eulogy here in Houston, Texas. Internet, there's been outpouring all over the country. And as uh, Attorney Crump said, all of us want to see justice whatever that leads to in this matter i've agreed to come and do the eulogy thursday at lily grove baptist church there in uh houston reverend terry anderson and others are working with the family how do you feel people are marching different activist groups how does the family feel about having so much support even at this hour that i know you're still in shock and in absolute uh uh I, I can't even describe how you must feel. Trauma, I guess, would be one word to just see this happen to your sister. Uh, our family really appreciate everything from you all that you are doing to support us and the positive uh, feedback that we're getting. We are just really, really appreciative of it uh, because, like you said, we're still in shock and uh, we just really in a loss right now. Well, we, we, Reverend, we, go ahead, Reverend Crum, I'm out of time, but go ahead. Oh, can go you ahead. tell him what you told the state attorney about how offensive this is? Yes, and I also told her that, uh, they, you know, if they haven't watched the video, they should because they need to put their family member in the place of our loved one and then make a decision. Wow, that's a real challenge. Well, we don't prejudge a case, but we clearly are not going to let them not investigate this. That's why we're involved and wanted to show this to the nation. And by way of disclosure, National Action Network and Reverend Anderson also have said we will support the family's funeral expenses because no one deserves to die unarmed and not have a full and thorough investigation. My thanks to Attorney Benjamin Crump and to Antoinette Dorsey James. Thank you. And again, God bless you and the family. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, so that was from uh, Politics Nation. That's from Saturday, May 18, 2019. The name of that clip is Pamela Taylor's, uh, it's Pamela Taylor, actually. 
uh, I think I said Turner, I'm not sure. Pamela Taylor's family speaks out after she was killed by Texas officer. Uh, Pamela, you know what? Hold on. They have, um, actually, I think they posted the wrong name. In this, actually, Pamela Turner, but in the clip, um, I think uh, they may have put the wrong name, but it's, it's Pamela Turner. Pamela Turner's family speaks out after she was killed by Texas officer, okay? So that's from Politics Nation, MSNBC.com. Check that out. Now, uh, NewsOne.com had an article from um, May 16th. Baytown police are lying. Baytown police, quote, are lying, end quote, about Pamela Turner, Benjamin Crump says. Police originally blamed the unarmed grandmother's outstanding warrants uh, for the fatal encounter, okay? And uh, they... Uh, let's see, the police shooting death of an unarmed black woman in the suburban Houston, in the suburban Houston town this week has been determined a homicide, according to a new report. The website of the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office confirmed that the, quote, manner of death, end quote, for Pamela Turner was homicide. The primary cause of death was listed as multiple gunshots. Uh, now, later in the article, uh, Benjamin Crump uh, talks, and Esley Merritt uh, organized a... Uh, protests uh, around uh, in Houston rapper uh, Trey That Truth uh, organized the protests uh, this past Wednesday to demand the officer's indictment. Okay, now the office of Benjamin Crump, they released an official statement, uh, notice of counsel attorney Ben Crump to represent Texas woman killed by police. Um, and let's see here. Uh, let me scroll down. Now in a Okay, so uh, Esley Merritt told the Houston Chronicle, quote, certain procedures should have taken place. You don't approach someone that you know to be suffering from a mental health condition uh, the same way that you approach the average citizen. Now, Benjamin Crump announced Wednesday that he was representing the, uh, the Turner family, a, a move that may indicate a lawsuit against the Baytown uh, Police Department uh, was pending. Uh, let's see. Okay, so uh, now following the shooting, Baytown police also tried to control the narrative by describing uh, uh, Pamela Turner and uh, as the aggressor, seemingly placing the blame on her for her own death. Okay, quote, during the course of the attempted arrest, the female began struggling with the officer, which forced the officer to deploy his taser, uh, said um, a spokesperson for the department who is this uh, officer Doris and I know uh, okay and we're coming up right here on the break here we'll continue this on the other side of the break here you listen to 910 a.m. Superstation of Future Radio uh, Michael M. Hotel, the African History Network show we'll be back in a few minutes hi I'm Hunter Ellis and this is Atomic Beam 10 a.m. Superstation of Future Radio hey I'm your host brother Michael M. Hotel. it is Sunday uh, May 19th 2019 uh, 2019, Malcolm X's 95th birthday. So we'll talk about Malcolm X uh, a little bit this hour as well. Okay, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. We'll go to the phone lines in just a minute here. Right before the break, we'll be talking about the killing of a 44-year-old African-American woman, a grandmother named Pamela Turner in Baytown, Texas. Uh, so there's a lot of outrage earlier this week, uh, a lot of coverage uh, of, of this story a lot of coverage on uh, social media uh, also. Now, news1.com, as I just shared with you, the interview.
that uh, Attorney Benjamin Crump did with uh, Reverend Al Sharpton on Politics Nation on MSNBC on Saturday. Okay, so uh, NewsOne.com has a good article uh, entitled Baytown Police Are Lying About Pamela Turner, Benjamin Crump Says. This is from May 16th. Okay, so um, the article continues. Baytown police have not identified the officer who shot Pamela Turner and would only say that he is Hispanic. But one journalist reported his name, says that's been confirmed. I'm not going to say his name over the air. Um, but uh, let's see. Okay, so Baytown Police uh, Lieutenant Steve Doris, D-O-R-R-I-S, originally said on Tuesday that the officer was patrolling the apartment complex quote, had prior encounters with, end quote, Pamela Turner, and, quote, knew the woman had outstanding warrants, so he approached her to arrest her, end quote. If true, that was the only way people were apparently trying to assassinate, that that was not the only way people were trying to assassinate the character of Pamela Turner, okay? The 45-year-old's criminal record, which, of course, is irrelevant to her killing, was publicized in the hours after her death. But one aspect of Pamela Turner's life that seemed to go all but ignored was that she suffered from mental illness, something her family has confirmed. It was also something that the officer, during some of those aforementioned quote-unquote prior dealings, presumably knew about through their previous encounters. So if you know she's mentally ill, why didn't you try to de-escalate the situation? Why didn't you call for backup and wait for backup? Because when you have white people who are mentally ill, they try to preserve the life. So either way, the article goes on, either way it was unclear why someone who theoretically has been trained to de-escalate such situations resorted to lethal force, especially against someone who was unarmed and appeared to pose no imminent physical threat. Okay? Now, Pamela Turner quote-unquote, had several bad experiences with the officer her family told NBC News. NBC News has a couple of articles about this as well. The officer reportedly lives in the same apartment complex where he killed Pamela Turner. Following the shooting, Baytown police also tried to control the narrative by describing Pamela Turner as the aggressor, seemingly blaming, uh, putting the, uh, placing the blame uh, on her for her own death, okay? So check out this article from um, uh, news1.com. It's entitled, Baytown Police Are Lying About Pamela Turner, Benjamin Crump Says. It's at news1.com. Uh, we'll post the link to this article on the thread of the broadcast also, okay? All right, let's go uh, quickly to the phone lines. Let's go to Rico Line 1. Hey, Rico, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for calling. Tell us where you're calling from. Um, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, okay, I know Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was gonna say that unfortunately, that's the type of society that we live in, where people believe that can presume guilt and display, uh, quote unquote, uh, punishment right there on the scene on somebody that um, that's just you know what I'm saying. Maybe he did. He all uh, he de escalate. You know what I'm saying? He did what now? He can de escalate. You know what I'm saying? And, you know what I'm saying, it's just going to say that we can't let people always define the narrative of who we are. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. You can't, you, you know what I'm saying, you can't, 
can't be able, can't let people people be able to uh, take guilt on you like that. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know what I'm saying? Anything. You know what I'm saying? If that had been talking a while, people be um people be out there fearing for justice for him. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's not like that. Right. You know? Right. All right, Rico, thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling in. Keep listening. Okay, so if we if we connect um, uh, that story to the um, – uh, well, so I'm going to go to the interview I did with David Banner. On the other side of that interview, uh, hip-hop artist David Banner, Grammy Award-winning hip-hop artist and actor David Banner. On the other side of that interview, I'm going to deal with the Thug Day – um, uh, the Thug Day celebration at Memorial High School in Houston, Texas, where you had 30 white students uh, at the school, not all the students at the school, but 30 white students at the school for Jersey Day, turned it into Thug Day, and they wore uh, bandanas, fake, tattoo, fake tattoos, cornrows, gold chains, baggy pants, emulating stereotypes of African Americans. Okay, and then if you look at the studies from Rutgers University that came out in uh, December of 2018, AtlantaBlackStar.com had an article about this. Rutgers study suggests media's negative portrayals of black men contribute to police violence. Rutgers study suggests media's negative portrayals of black men contribute to police violence. And the article, looking at the study, talks about how negative stereotypes and portrayals in the news media could be influencing how police treat African-American men, a Rutgers School of Public Health study suggests. Now, I would argue it impacts how African-American women are treated as well. Now, the report published in the book, Research in Race and Ethnic Relations, in late November 2018, examines how public perceptions of the danger posed by black men are contributing are contributing factors in how officers respond uh, with excessive and or lethal force respond with excessive and or lethal force according to phys.org, uh, phys.org they have the study there as well now the study also noted how black masculinity is often equated with criminality, machismo, and hypersexuality. Okay? The study also noted how black masculinity is often equated with criminality, machismo, and hypersexuality. Quote, unarmed black Americans are five times more likely to be shot and killed by police than unarmed white Americans, said Professor Pamela Valera, a lead author of the study. We believe that media may play a significant role in these disproportionate deaths. She added, quote, the stereotypes held consciously or unconsciously, the stereotypes held consciously or unconsciously about the criminality and dangerousness of black men influence the rates at which they are stopped and engaged by police, end quote. Now, as part of their study, Researchers reviewed three iconic newspapers' coverage of the fatal shooting of 18-year-old Michael Brown from Ferguson, Missouri, okay, by White Ferguson, Missouri, uh, police officer Darren Wilson in 2014. 
Researchers chose the New York Times, Washington Post, and Los Angeles Times for their ability to impact public opinion, the report stated. According to Rutgers University, quote, the research analyzed how the, how the race, physicality, and masculinity of Michael Brown and Darren Wilson were presented in media coverage of Michael Brown's death and, and Darren Wilson's testimony. The researchers analyzed 40 articles from the three newspapers, Washington Post, New York Times, and Los Angeles Times. I read, New, New, I, I read the Washington Post and New York Times every day. Taking into account which voices were giving space in each article, on subsequent readings, on subsequent readings, a code book was developed containing codes that capture the masculinity, physicality, class, and race of Michael Brown and Darren Wilson. It concluded that negative race-based perceptions perpetuated by the media may have contributed to Michael Brown's death. Let me repeat, it, it, it concluded that negative race-based perceptions perpetuated by the media may have contributed to Michael Brown's death. Now, researchers also paid particular attention to how the newspapers used white officer Darren Wilson's account of the shooting to describe killing African-American Michael Brown, as well as the verbiage used to depict Michael Brown and Darren Wilson's socioeconomic status. For instance, one account citing Darren Wilson, okay, painted the black teenager as a quote-unquote monster and noted how the officer compared himself holding on to Michael Brown's arm to, quote, a five-year-old trying to hold on to Hulk Hogan, end quote, even though they're about the same height. Now, Michael Brown was heavier than Darren Wilson, but they were about the same height. On another occasion, Michael Brown's neighborhood was depicted as, quote, trappings of a work-class of a working class haven, end quote, with an, quote, edge of frustration and anger, edge of frustration and anger, while white officer Dan Wilson was painted as someone who had overcome a difficult childhood to make a life in a middle-class suburban neighborhood with pretty, quote, brick ranch-style homes and manicured lawns. Now, newspapers use sensational words to get hits uh, Professor Pamela Valera explained, but she went on to say, quote, however, the words they use, used depicted Michael Brown as a monster. Okay, so check out this article. Also read the article at phys.org, phys.org. Media portrayals of black men contribute to police violence, study says. Then if we look at the article from March of 2018, another study, atlantablackstar.com had this article, Tall, dark, and dangerous. Tall, dark, and dangerous. Study finds tall black men are in more danger of biased policing. Okay, and this was a article. This was a study published by the Proceeding, Proceedings of the National Academics of Science. Proceedings of the National Academics of Science. The study conducted by the University of North Carolina psychology professor Kurt Gray and social uh, psychology graduate student Neil Hester concluded that being a tall black man increases the likelihood of being profiled by white New York police officers, okay? So check out those articles. All right, so yesterday um, at the end of the uh, Black Agenda Tour 2019, I interviewed my friend, uh, Grammy Award-winning hip-hop artist and actor David Banner. Here's what happened.
Hey everybody, hey, this is Michael M. Hotel, host of the African History Network show on 910 AM, the Superstation WFDF. I'm here on location in Detroit at a, 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 at a fantastic store called 313, and this is where the second day of the Black Agenda Tour was held. I'm here with David Banner. He was one of the speakers and one of the co-panelists. I was on the panel with him. How you doing, brother oh, David man, Banner? Good, man. All right, good to see you again. So this is our second time. Yes, yeah. saw you in Atlanta at the at the uh, at the Black um, the uh, Black Friday, the Black Friday, right. uh, Black Friday, and also at the uh, uh, the Black Award, Black Power Award. Mm -hmm in Atlanta two years ago. We're both in the documentary Black Friday uh, from uh, director Rick Mathis. You've seen him in uh, this uh, this Christmas, okay? The uh, film this Christmas as well. So explain to people why something like this is so important, a Black Agenda tour. Well, I think one of the reasons why I signed on is because in so many cases, we go and we talk at people. Yes. You know, one of my things is for us to come up with some solutions. Yes. You know, and I, I, I was also telling people is not only come to us looking for some solutions, I really believe the real solutions come from the crowd. Absolutely. And it's our responsibility to massage it out of them, um, to inspire them to come up because the parameters are different even though what black people or what Africans are going through is global. Yeah. Yes. It's gender specific to the place where you are. Right. You know, colonization in Africa is a little bit different than racism in America. Yes. But the end, the end problem is white supremacy. We're still dealing yeah, with the yeah, same yeah, colonizers. Yeah, 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 we're still yeah, yeah, dealing yeah, with yeah, colonizers. Yeah, yeah. But, but the parameters in which we're dealing with it yes. may be a little bit specific to yes. the place that we're from. Yes. So for me, it's about number one, feeling the town that we're in, feeling okay. the place that we're in, and seeing how we can. Um, I, I, I guess mold yes. uh, what we feel like are some of the solutions to the places where people are from. Absolutely. Well, look, when I walked in today, it was packed. Right. And I would have been here earlier. I was in a meeting this morning with Ken Harris and the National Business League, a planning meeting. So when I walked in, it was packed, and you were talking. We know it's a brainchild of Michi X and Jice Johnson. They're over here as well. Right. And you're going to be in other cities also with right. us also, right? right? Now, you are have become conscious over the years as well as a hip-hop artist. Well, you, well, hold on. Let me stop you right there. Okay. I've always been conscious. Okay, I, I, was, been conscious. I was conscious since the 11th grade. Okay, since the 11th grade. The problem is, is that I come from the hood. Okay. So, conscious is cool in theory. Yes. Until, I, 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 think, um, I think the person who explained it the best. Yes. Um, to me, it was Nipsey Hussle. Nipsey Hussle. Because he yes. talked about if you can Rest take, in peace. if you can take away hunger, yes. if you can take away all those things that keep us from vibrating on a lower level. Yes. Like I give an example. Um, it's easy for you to tell people to dream, yes. but some people don't have a bed to sleep in. Right. Exactly. So I understood the parameters of consciousness. I had been reading. No. Go ahead. Keep all going. that stuff was cool. All right. All right. Keep going. All that stuff was cool. Um, but I want to make sure that I, I, I do it right, bro, for you, so you won't have to, you know. And I'm right. on TV. I don't cuss on TV, so I don't need to cuss here. I appreciate I it. It's all right. I just sometimes I get emotional. Uh, that's um, the African Holy Ghost thing. <laughs> thing. That's not the Lily Jeffrey yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the uh, African Holy Ghost. Oh, 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 should I say, um, <laughs> what would uh, Anthony Brother say? It's our ancestor. Yeah, it's my ancestor. Yeah. And Anthony is a mutual friend of ours yeah, as well. He, that's a bad bro. He changed my life. Absolutely. Now Valley Contra. I read from the Brother Files before Now Valley Contra civilization. Yeah. From the and, files, yeah. changed my life. And that blew, not from the blue files, blew me away right. also, man. Right. It led me to Nile Valley contributions right. to civilization. Yeah, but what I was saying was, man, it's just, for me, it's important. And also, man, I saw the cities that they were going to, man. And yeah. 
The problem with me, and I think our people get it messed up. They say, well, David Bella, why you don't come to this city? Why you don't, because your people don't bring me. Right, like, exactly. People don't understand. I, I tell them the I, same thing. I come to the cities where your people bring me to. Exactly. So I saw these were the cities that were important to our people. Yes. And where our people, you know, through, you know, not uh, um, navigating themselves through all the stuff that what they went through in America. These are the towns that our people are in. Yes. I made sure I wanted to be a part of this. What well, I am a part of it. Well, people, visit the website, theblackagendaontour.com. The Black Agenda on Tour.com. Look out for it in a city near you. Michi X, Jice Johnson, David Banner, others as well. Uh, Derek uh, Martin, Derek Martin also. Give people your social media uh, handles as well. Uh, David Banner, follow. for the most part, uh, Instagram, it is David Banner Likes Pictures. And I do want to say ahead. something. Let me, can I hold this for Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I actually am. Okay, we're going we're gonna to pause it right there. We'll continue that on the other side of the break. Uh, that was my exclusive interview with uh, Grammy Award-winning uh, hip-hop artist and actor David Banner yesterday at the Black Agenda Tour. And we're coming up on the break. You're listening to 9, 10 a.m. Superstation Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. This is the African History Network Show. 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. We'll be back in a few minutes. Listen up, America. Are you or a loved one suffering with an addiction to alcohol? Hey, I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. Uh, you can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. It helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, uh, keep broadcasting. And uh, my DVD lectures are at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com as well. Uh, African Liberation Day is coming up uh, Friday, May uh, 24th and Sunday uh, and Saturday, May 25th, at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. It's free and open to the public. Visit theright.org, theright.org, W-R-I-G-H-T. They have the information right on the homepage uh, with the calendar. Uh, guest speaker will be Jamon Jordan. Uh, this year's theme is 400 years they still owe. 400 years they still owe. There will be youth programs on Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, there will be a community program on uh, Friday evening. And then uh, Saturday, things kick off around uh, 10 a.m. Uh, and that's in, uh, there's an African marketplace both days. I'll be a vendor on Saturday. Uh, so be sure to visit the vendor table of uh, the African History Network. I'll have my DVD lectures there. You can come meet me also, okay? All right, so right before the break, I was sharing with you um, my exclusive interview I did with Grammy Award-winning hip-hop artist and rapper David Banner. We're we're in two documentaries together also, and he was a panelist and speaker at the Black Agenda Tour uh, 2019 here in Detroit, and it was held at uh, 313, uh, the clothing store 313 there at uh, 19495 Livernois. So we give a shout-out to Brother Fame, uh, the owner, proprietor there uh, as well. Thanks for uh, opening your doors uh, to the Black Agenda Tour 2019. So David Banner and I, we talked about um, – uh, the need for a black agenda, why he participated uh, in this uh, tour. It's a seven-city tour. And um, being a conscious rapper also. Hey, let's go back to this clip. People, visit the website, theblackagendaontour.com, theblackagendaontour.com. Look out for it in a city near you. Michi X, Jice Johnson, David Banner, others as well. Uh, Derek uh, Martin, Derek Martin also. 
Give people your social media uh, handles as well. Uh, so they can follow you. For the most part, uh, Instagram is David Banner Likes Pictures. And I do want to Go say ahead. something. Let me, can I hold this for Go a minute? Go ahead. Um, I actually am as handsome as people say that I am. <laughs> so I know that some people don't believe that it manifests in this way, man. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't believe in a lot of the spiritual components, but this may be the closest that you get to God in the flesh. And I just wanted to make sure that y'all catch this on camera. You might not catch this for another thousand years. So, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he, he, he's got, I just kept that on. It's all right. He's God having a human experience. <laughs> as, as Professor James Fall teaches oh us, God, we're God having a human experience. Yeah. Hey, but, uh, no, 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 I'm going. Uh, I going. just wanted to say this uh, really quick. Um, yes. People ask me because I used to not laugh at all. Um, mm -hmm. I used to be so aggressive. Okay, let me pause it right here. Now, this may go outside the circumference of some people's awareness, okay? So, just listen. Okay, let's go back to this. But what I realize is this. A lot of times when we speak to our people, yes. we're giving them an experience that they never had before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, you have to find a way. Malcolm said, by any means necessary, right. it doesn't always mean violence. Right. That means that if you got to make your people smile or laugh for a minute because you right. told them Jesus ain't coming back, but some people, they, 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 you know, I tell my people Jesus ain't coming back, but I right. do think the story of Jesus is that if you do as that man did, mm -hmm. you might walk on water and you fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, well, Christ is a title which comes from kares, mm -hmm. comes from the Greek Christos, which comes from the Kemetic kares, which means the rising of the spirit. Mm -hmm. So you put on here on earth to uh, have spiritual awakeness and obtain knowledge. Okay, and rise to that level. That's the car rest. The car rest is inside of us. Absolutely. I know you have to run. Let people know how they can support you financially. Your products, your t-shirts. We're selling everything, man. Um, really, I just started selling merch because a friend of mine told me that I wasn't even really into selling clothes like that. He said people want to support you. Right. And no different than dope culture, no different than sports culture. You have to give conscious people uh, opportunity to feel fly and to feel like they're part of something. Right. So I created a culture to surround people. I created something that was actually called the God Box. I saw, I've seen that, the and, God Box. And I, yes. put, I put everything that helped me to become conscious. I put from the broader files. Yes. I got in contact with yep. Brother Broder, and yep. he, you know, he, yep. he, he allowed me to I hope you get in contact with Broder. I, yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, I put DVDs in there. Only yes. thing that I wish I would have put in there, and, and I can honestly say that one mistake that I made with the mm -hmm. God Box is I didn't put anything in there about help. Okay. I, I wish I would have put something in there. God Box 2 is coming. God, about Dr. Africa. Dr. Layla Africa. Right. Yes. Uh, Queen of Four. Right. Or uh, 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 Dr. Sebe. Yeah. Because what I'm finding out is if our, our temple is not right, mm -hmm. we can't really get the information the right way anyway, man. Right. So anyway, this is all stuff you're going to get on. Yeah. Black Absolutely. I'm about to stop right now. Hey, everybody. This is Michael M. Hotep here on location, the Black Agenda Tour. The first stop is in Detroit. This is Saturday, May 17, 2019. We are at 19495 Livernois. Three, uh, the, the store's name is 313. Come on down, check this out. I'm here with our sister Michi X and Jice Johnson. Michi X is the brainchild behind the Black Agenda Tour, and her partner is Jice Johnson. So how you all, how you sisters doing today? We're good. We're good. And you, you lost your voice? I lost my voice. Yeah, right here yelling about solutions and problems. Well, look, this <laughs> is okay. So this was the, uh, this is a seven city tour. Yes. Okay, this was the first stop in Detroit, the Motor City. Okay. So, uh, Michi, tell us, how did you come up with this concept of the Black Agenda Tour? 
Well, um, I would tell you that through the things I've gone through in my life, okay. in my pain, and um, that caused me to wake up. And then it caused me to research, right? Why mm -hmm. are we in these positions? So I began to look at the enemy. I began to look at where we were before now, um, how we haven't made any progress, but we've done right, what we've done wrong. And so honestly, in a state of depression, I sat in my room for about a year, and I, I didn't want to come out until I could find an answer, because wow. right from oppression, they beat me down. So in that year, I sat in my room, thank God for my mother's help to help me take care of my kids. I don't know how I could have done it. Um, I came up with the idea, right? Studying the oppressor, looking at the ways that we are oppressed, because before we can ever make a plan of counterattack, we have to understand how we're being attacked. So I started right there. And starting right. with how we're attacked, just opened my eyes to so many more things that I didn't know before that. Absolutely. Well, we have to understand white supremacy is a global yes. system. Yes. And as Dr. Francis Cress Wilson and Nilly Fuller taught us, if you do not understand European <laughs> white supremacy and racism, what it is and how it works, everything else that you think that you understand will totally confuse you. Yes. All right, so Jace Johnson, tell people, how did you get involved with this as well? How did you hook up with Michi X? Uh, well, I've been running the black. I think one of our first trips out here, um, I said, listen, I need some help. I got a baby. Okay. Come with me. Me right. said, since I come with you, I'm from Detroit. So right, right. Know, we, we, just, we just jumped right in there. And, you know, we, we have uh, kindred spirits in it. And it's probably a little yin and yang because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my girl, she go hard, right? And then she give me signs from her. So just right. like I did. You, you got to right. know me to, to have a little bit of that come out. But, right. um, but you know, what we were talking about solutions. We're talking about, you know, the things that we're doing. And, and, and what was important was that we come off the computer and come from these smaller areas and take a, a, a message of unity across the country. Right. So just uh, from the work that we've been doing on the ground, um, the Black Business Initiative starts, grows, and scales Black-owned businesses. We've been doing it for five years. Um, Black Business so, Initiative, okay. Absolutely. So you help, a, you help a small business go from, um, say, one employee, the owner, and scale, maybe get contracts, get employees, increase revenue? That's where we're headed. Okay. Um, and we help. We have helped some of those businesses. Okay. But like a lot of black or organizations, um, we are for us. We are biased. We are not people of color. We are not minorities, and mm -hmm. so we are often underfunded. Um, right. We are also working with organizations that don't have. And so what we have done is things like business startup boot camps. We've done uh, coaching. We've done uh, workshops on access to capital. Right. So we are out here making those connections and building those things, um, but we have the capacity to help those organizations um, along as long as they want to be helped. Absolutely. Give people your website. Sure, bbiprofessional.com. bbiprofessional.com. So people can reach out to you. Uh, you can help people across the country or one specific state or city. We can help people across the country. But how we got involved in this is me and Michi are already doing the work on the ground. We right. started homeschool co-ops. We started businesses. We started working with people in the community. We run an organization called Shop Talk Live. Uh, okay. With uh, there's there's a lot of us to name, but I'm gonna throw out Theo Wilson, Topaz McBride. 
we uh, sit down with our community and we have these conversations. We have another chapter in D.C., Shaka Lindsay. So we've been doing these things already, and it was time to take that message from the silos that we're in and the small places that we're in, and we have to have that same message go out to the world. Absolutely. Okay. So Miss Michi X, the brainchild behind me. Okay. So um, you can watch th those interviews in their entirety uh, on uh, my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. I just uploaded it um, a few minutes ago. Okay. So I just uploaded a few minutes ago. Uh, so check that out, and uh, we'll share some more of that uh, with you next week. And then also I interviewed a young brother who's a poet and an author, and we'll share that interview with you next week as well. Okay, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Um, so right before that interview, I was talking about, we talked about the killing of Pamela Turner in Baytown, Texas, 44-year-old African-American woman. Uh, schizophrenic, shot and killed five times after yelling out she was pregnant. Uh, we don't know if she was or was not. The autopsy would tell uh, conclusively. But I also talked about the um, study from Rutgers University that came out in December of uh, 2018, or basically November 2018, and com had an article about this December 30th, 2018, the day before New Year's Eve, Rutgers study suggests media's negative portrayals of black men contribute to police violence. Now, I did a, uh, I tied this early in the week. I did a uh, broadcast dealing with um, 30 white students in Houston, Texas, at Memorial High School having Thug Day, okay, Thug Day. And Huffington Post Black Voices has an article about this, and I tied uh, these studies into this topic and into that broadcast idea. So check that out on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. But around 30 white students at Memorial High School in Houston, Texas, sported cornrows, baggy short, baggy sports jerseys, and gold chains on Tuesday for what many students called, quote-unquote, thug day. Now, this article came out uh, May 17, 2019, Okay. Uh, the day is part of the school's annual Spirit Week, which is created by the school uh, to celebrate rising seniors. The theme of the day was Jersey Day. Jersey Day, where you wear jerseys, okay, favorite sports team, things like this. But many students called it Thug Day. Now, current Memorial High School senior Rachel Goodwin told the Huffington Post uh, about this. And uh, Rachel Goodwin tweeted several photos of her classmates wearing sweatbands and fake tattoos that read swag. And uh, the S in swag is a dollar sign, swag. Uh, and he did all this for Spirit Week. And her tweet uh, quickly went viral. Other photos show female students dressed in baggy pants, basically white female students, dressed in baggy pants sporting fake face tattoos, fake face tattoos, and handcuffs. As of Friday morning, the images this past Friday, uh, which was uh, the 17th, these images had received over 16,000 retweets. Now, the outfits uh, sparked controversy online with uh, many criticizing the uh, students for appropriating and mocking black culture, okay? Uh, one per person posted on Twitter, black people with this hair are denied jobs because they some of them were wearing cornrows. 
black people with this hair are denied jobs, internships, and get harassed at their schools. Uh, here, Memorial High School students are using it as costume, okay? Uh, it's rude. It's racist. Now, uh, this was covered, this story went viral. This was covered by local local news outlets. It was covered, covered by the Houston Chronicle and KHOU uh, Channel 11 also. the uh, Now, uh, former students have said that this has happened in previous years and um, that the administrators have taken, uh, have done little about it. So be, um, after this incident took place, they canceled the rest of uh, Spirit Week and the uh, a, 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 a notice was sent out uh, from administrators as well. Administrators did release a statement to ABC Channel 13 that reads in part, uh, quote, on Tuesday, some rising juniors wore inappropriate dress and body hair decorations as part of an alternative, unapproved response to the theme day. As a shared expectation about the theme, uh, uh, about the theme was clearly violated. Uh, Memorial High School has canceled all remaining dress theme, uh, dress theme days for the remainder of this week, while the majority of rising juniors followed the appropriate followed the approved dress theme on Tuesday, any instance of an inappropriate or offensive dress violation will not be tolerated. Students found to be in violation of the student code of conduct and dress code will be given a consequence. Hasn't been said what that consequence is. Covington Post, uh, oh, that's okay. So it goes on to say MHS is focused today on preparing all students for finals and ending the school year well, okay? Now the Covington Post, uh, reached out to the administrators uh, for a response. When reached for comment, Memorial High School directed Huffington Post to speak with Spring Branch Independent School District Administrators. Spring Branch uh, Independent School District Administrators did not immediately respond to the Huffington Post. Okay, interesting to see what happens there. All right, but that all ties into the stereotypes of African-Americans that are projected through the media and TV shows like Empire, the criminality, and they use hip-hop, they use music, especially hip-hop, to hook you to watch the TV show Empire, okay? And then we see negative corporate-controlled hip-hop and the criminality, the hypersexualization, those images that are promoted through that as well that go all around the world. Okay, now, speaking of going all around the world, we see that, more talk about impeachment of Donald John Trump continues. We saw it continuing this past week, and we also saw uh, the first Republican to break um, from the other Republicans, and this Republican actually read the Mueller report. Most of them haven't read the Mueller report, and even um, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman um, Senator Lindsey Graham when they, were, they when they had a hearing, uh, let's see who was it? William Barr, I think it was William Barr was before the Senate, and uh, Senator Lindsey Graham said that he had not, he had read most of the Mueller report. He had not read all of it. Okay, well, just a couple of days before that that previous weekend, he was on the golf course playing golf with Donald Trump. Maybe you should have been reading the Mueller report, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham as opposed to playing golf with Donald Trump. Okay, so we see the New York Times report and other outlets reported that um, uh, Republican member of the House of Representatives, Justin Amash, um, 
has uh, has act, has stated that he's actually read the Mueller report and he's being attacked by uh, uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump is calling him a loser and a total lightweight. Okay, the president's uh, the president's attacks reinforced uh, Representative Justin Amash's isolation. Now, Justin Amash is from Michigan. He he represents Michigan. He's one of the representatives from Michigan. Um, Justin Amash's isolation within his party, as even the Republican lawmakers who might be most sympathetic to his position, avoid stepping forward to join him. Early on, uh, okay, so uh, Justin Amash has uh, said that basically, uh, let's see here, let's get the uh, actual statement. On Saturday, Justin Amash, 39 years old, became the first sitting Republican member of Congress to suggest that Donald Trump's actions, as described in the report of the special counsel Robert Mueller III, met the constitutional threshold of high crimes and misdemeanors. That's based upon Article Two, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. Quote, President Trump has engaged in impeachable conduct. Uh, Representative Justin Amash uh, wrote in a series of tweet, uh, Twitter messages uh, after reading the red-acted version of the 448-page report. Contrary to the public statements and summaries offered by Attorney General William Barr, quote, Mueller, uh, Mueller's report reveals that Donald, President Trump engaged in spe specific actions and a pattern of behavior that meet the threshold for impeachment, uh, Representative Justin Amash wrote, uh, tweeted. Uh, and Justin Amash is a self-described strict constitutionalist who has considered running against Donald Trump in the 2020 Republican primary. But if you actually read it, okay, if you actually read the Mueller report, and you can go to New York Times, uh, they have, uh, you can just search for read Mueller report. They have, a, uh, they have it in a searchable format. And then also uh, I ordered my copy from uh, the Washington Post. So the Washington Post has it in book format, and they have supporting documentation as well. This was 10 bucks from the Washington Post. All right, so the story broke from the New York Times today. Deutsche Bank staff saw suspicious activity in Trump and Jared Kushner accounts. Deutsche Bank uh, staff saw suspicious activity in Trump and Kushner accounts. Now, anti-money laundering specialists at Deutsche Bank recommended in 2016 and 2017 that multiple transactions involving legal entities uh, involving legal entities controlled by Donald Trump and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, be reported to a federal financial crimes watchdog. Now, the transactions, some of which involve Donald Trump's now-defunct foundation, set off alerts in a computer system designed to detect illicit activity, according to five current and former bank employees. Compliance staff members who then reviewed the uh, transactions prepared so-called suspicious activity reports, suspicious activity activity reports that they believed should be sent to a unit of the Treasury Department that polices financial crimes. But executives at Deutsche Bank, which has lent billions of dollars to Donald Trump and Jared Kushner's companies, rejected their employees' advice. The reports were never filed with the government. Now, the nature of the transactions was not clear. At least some of them involved money flowing back and forth with overseas entities or individuals which bank employees considered suspicious. And according to MSNBC, uh, 
uh, some some of those transactions from Jared Kushner's accounts were going to Russians. Now, real estate developers like Donald Trump and Jared Kushner sometimes do large all-cash deals, including um, with people outside the U.S., any of which can prompt anti-money laundering, laundering reviews. The red flags raised by employees do not necessarily mean the transactions were improper. Banks sometimes opt not to file suspicious activity reports if they conclude their employees' concerns are unwarranted. But former Deutsche Bank employees said the decision not to report uh, the, the Donald Trump and Jared Kushner transactions reflected the bank's generally lax approach to money laundering laws. The bank's generally lax approach to money laundering laws. The employees, most of whom spoke on the condition of anonymity to preserve their ability to work in the industry, said it was part of a pattern of the bank's executives rejecting valid reports to protect relationships with lucrative clients. Now, keep in mind, a few years ago, Deutsche Bank had to pay a $600 million fine to the uh, U.S. government because they were caught laundering $10 billion in money from Russia. Deutsche Bank was the only bank that would loan money to Donald Trump when all the other the, when American banks wouldn't loan him any money. And also, it was recently revealed that Deutsche Bank continued to loan Donald Trump money after they found out that he was inflating his assets. And we know Michael Cohen testified in front of Congress. When Michael Cohen came clean, he testified that Donald Trump would, would routinely inflate the value of his assets to get loans. And he said he inflated the value of his assets when he, when he was trying to buy the, I think it was the Buffalo Bills uh, NFL team. So today, uh, this story broke today. They covered this on MSNBC. Candace Gibson uh, discussed this. Uh, report Deutsche Bank staff saw suspicious activity on Trump and Kushner accounts. Let's go to this clip. Okay, it's, um, it says David Gura. That one right there. Let's go to that clip. At Deutsche Bank. Helping legal entities controlled by Donald Trump and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, be reported to a federal financial crimes watchdog. Okay, so the transactions reportedly set off alerts designed to detect suspicious activity. Bank executives allegedly ignored their employees' advice, never filing reports with the government. Let's bring in the journalist that broke the news just moments ago, New York Times finance editor David Enright. David, thank you so much for being here with us. My pleasure. Okay, so David, uh, we saw the headline right there. Highlight exactly what your reporting is finding. Well, first of all, Donald Trump, it's important to remember, is the one of the biggest clients of Deutsche Bank. And Deutsche Bank is the only bank that will has done business on a, in a consistent manner with Donald Trump for the past 20 years. And starting in 2016 and going on into 2017, a number of transactions that various Trump accounts and Kushner accounts at Deutsche Bank were involved with uh, were flagged by the bank's computerized anti-money laundering system. And when employees went to take a, a closer look and reviewed the records and investigated the transactions, they concluded, based on what they had seen, that these were potentially suspicious, suspicious transactions that should be reported to the federal government division that uh, pursues financial crime. And the bank, th these reports go up through the chain of command of the bank, and bank managers 
took a look at what their employees had found and what they'd recommended, and they overruled the employees. They decided that no, these reports, this information did not need to go to the government. And that was basically the end of the matter. And David, you mentioned in your reporting here, at least some of them involved money that was flowing back and forth with overseas entities or individuals which bank employees considered suspicious. What could you possibly think was happening here? Well, there's a little more detail, actually, and that we, we can, I can share with you, which is that in the summer of 2016, one of the employees of the bank who reviewed transactions involving Kushner Companies, which is Jared Kushner's family real estate company, saw that money was leaving his accounts in a number of transactions and was going to Russian individuals. And that is, for obvious reasons, I think, a pretty big red flag. And these employees are trained uh, to look for transactions that have the characteristics of money laundering or other illicit activity. And money going from a U.S. bank account to Russian bank accounts is obviously one such flag. And the, the employee who saw this, her name is Tammy McFadden, and she, first of all, raised these concerns about the, these particular transactions, raised a number of other concerns, including some involving Trump transactions, and complained so much that her bosses moved her out of the division where she'd been seeing these problems, and then months later fired her from the bank. Uh, so there, I mean, there are a lot of red flags here, not just for the Kushner and Trump transactions, but for how Deutsche Bank handled these processes and handled their employees. And I should point out, we have heard from Deutsche Bank and others. Um, in your article, David, you mentioned there are two responses from the Trump and Kushner companies. A spokeswoman for the Trump organization says that we have no knowledge of any flag transactions with Deutsche Bank and currently has no operating accounts with Deutsche Bank. While a spokeswoman for Kushner companies says any allegations regarding Deutsche Bank relationship with Kushner companies, which involve money laundering, is completely made up and totally false. The New York Times, of course, continues to create dots that just don't connect. Does that give you pause at all? What do you make of that response? Uh, no, neither of those responses give me a lot of pause. I mean, I, first of all, the, you wouldn't expect the Trump Organization or the Kushner companies to be aware of any of this to begin with because the banks, banks generally wouldn't inform their customers about this. Uh, the Kushner response that they weren't involved in money laundering is all well and good. We're not suggesting that they were involved in money laundering. And I, I think Deutsche Bank has, in some ways, the most credible argument here, which is that a lot of times employees raise concerns about transactions that turn out to be unwarranted. The employees are trained to sometimes err on the side of caution, and it's normal for managers up the food chain to take a look at the transactions, and sometimes they'll conclude the concerns were unwarranted and they won't file the reports. And I don't know if that's what happened here. And that is what I'm hearing from people. The bank happened, but when you talk to the employees who are involved in this, they believe that these uh, the reports they wanted to file with the government were basically shot down because bank executives were so desperate and so eager to preserve a very lucrative relationship that the bank had with both the Trump and Kushner families. So it really depends on you ask. Yeah, we popped up the statement there from Tommy McFadden, the former Deutsche Bank uh, anti-laundering specialist who reviewed some of the transactions. She went on record for this story and says that she was fired to uh, quash the concerns. Deutsche Bank also responding, I should mention, and you saw that statement, um, saying they have increased our anti-financial crime staff and enhanced our controls in recent years. David, let me have you sum up for it. Okay, so uh, watch the rest of that at uh, msnbc.com. Now, they have it listed under David Gura, but that's Ashley Kendis Gibson.
uh, Kendis Gibson took over David Gurr's time slot, so they need to correct that because they need to give the brother credit. That's Kendis Gibson who who uh, was hosting that show. That's his show. Uh, report Deutsche Bank, D-E-U-T-S-H-E. Report Deutsche Bank staff saw suspicious activity on Trump and Kushner accounts. Uh, May 19, 2019, msnbc.com. Watch that in its entirety there. Okay, we're almost out of time here. We know this is the 95th anniversary of uh, the birthday of, uh, of Malcolm X. This is his birthday. And also, May 17th was the uh, anniversary of Brown versus Board of Education, okay? We'll talk about Brown versus Board of Education next week. I had some, some information for you, but uh, we're not going to have time to get to it. But uh, uh, face-to-faceafrica.com has a really good article today by D.L. Chandler. Civil rights icon Malcolm X was born on this day in 1925. And it, it talks about how uh, Malcolm X born Malcolm Little in Omaha, Nebraska. The future leader's parents, uh, Earl and Louise uh, Little, lived modestly. Uh, the elder Little was a Baptist preacher who considered himself a student of the Pan-Africanist philosophies of Marcus Garvey. According to some accounts, Earl Little was a, also a member of the Universal Negro Improvement Association, UNIA, and that, and that affiliation put his family at risk. Eventually, the Little family relocated to Lansing, Michigan, where Malcolm's father, uh, where Malcolm, Malcolm's father often clashed with white supremacists. Okay, uh, Malcolm Little was killed. Uh, sorry, uh, Earl Little was killed when Malcolm X was six years old. A death largely speculated to be a planned hit by white hate groups. Okay, so it's said to be the Black Legion. That in uh, the Black Legion was like a Ku Klux Klan-like group. Uh, the Black Legion was said to be the ones that uh, killed Earl Little, all right, and because they wanted to silence uh, silence him because he was so outspoken and uh, he wasn't afraid of white people and he was uh, advocating for uh, pan-Africanism and um, self-reliance. Now, even as a man, Malcolm X doubted the story that his father committed suicide. Later, his mother would uh, become pregnant and placed in a mental hospital suffering uh, from a breakdown. Uh, it was a hospital in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Okay, because we know his family is going to move to East Lansing, Michigan, and then East Lansing, Michigan. All right. So uh, check out this article. It talks about some of Malcolm's life. It deals with how uh, prison was transformational for him, how he was exposed to the nation of Islam in prison by his siblings. Uh, and also it was a uh, an older fellow inmate named John Brimbry who instilled in Malcolm the love of reading. He was the one who encouraged Malcolm to take classes. Malcolm, So Malcolm was studying, taking classes before he was exposed to the teachings of the Nation of Islam uh, also. Okay, And uh, there's a really good article from uh, New York Daily News from February 15, 2015, remembering civil rights giant Malcolm X 50 years after his assassination. And uh, this is by Truman Moore. Okay. Um, and no, this is by Rich Shapiro. Rich Shapiro. This is a really good detailed article about Malcolm X, uh, also. Okay, so happy birthday to Malcolm X. You see me wearing my Malcolm X shirt. We have to get out of here and make way for Pastor Mo. Uh, I'll be at the Charles H. Wright Museum on Saturday, uh, May 25th. I think that's the 25th. May 25th for the um, African Liberation Day. And uh, so come out, come out for that Friday and Saturday, and be sure to visit the visit. Uh, the vendor table of the African History Network. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. We'll get my new lecture up dealing with ancient Africans in America before Columbus and before slavery from Kemet to Wakanda. I did that Saturday, May 11th at the uh, Pre-Mother's Day African uh, Luncheon. 
Okay, so we'll get that on our website also. And you can donate to the African History Network, paypal.me, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to 